Welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and Amanda Palmer, where our mission is providing strength to the weakest among us from both kids in foster care and their biological families. We also talk about topics that affect all children and families. It is our hope that we can inspire you to become the best bio, step, foster, adoptive, or whatever kind of mom or dad that you can be. Part of our mission is inspiring others to become amazing foster families as well, if that is your calling. If it's not your calling, great. Find a thing that sets your soul on fire and go be awesome at that. Let's make our communities great together. Be sure to go by Jason M. Palmer and check out the blog post and other podcast episodes. You can search Jason and Amanda Palmer on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you get your podcast. If we don't show up, be sure to send me an email and let me know and I will try to get it on there. We'd love to have you leave us some feedback in the form of a rating and review. It really helps the show gain attention. Hello, and welcome back to Foster Care and Unpella Journey with Jason and Amanda. Today we have a guest with us. We are talking to Erin Reeder. Erin just turned 41 years old. She's been married to Scott for the last 10 years. She is a mother to two girls, seven-year-old Alexis and Liv, who's 11 months old. They live in a suburb west of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she works for an IT solutions company. I know Scott through a group that we're in together, and he suggested that I talk with his wife about foster care and adoption because it was something that he said really, really resonated with her story. And so I contacted her a while back, and we sat and talked a little on the phone, and I wanted to bring her on here to tell her story. How are you doing today, Aaron? Great. Thank you. Thanks for awesome. having me. Hey, I'm, we're glad you could come in here. Uh, we would just, uh, uh, we're just going to open up the floor today and just say, what is the story that you feel like you need to tell? Sure. Well, you know, when I, uh, when I was asked if I wanted to, to talk about being adopted um, with you and your wife, um, I said, sure. It's something that I don't really talk about a lot, um, mainly because it's something that's just kind of been a part of my life, my whole life. And nobody really, um, asks anymore. I will, you know, talk about it if, if someone does ask, but it's something that's, you know, just part of who I am and it's never really been an area of concern, I guess. One thing that I've, that I wanted to do is to make sure that, um, you know, there are some things that I've seen out there that people are hesitant to adopt or they're, you know, worried about adoption, but um, with me, I think it's something that, um, I'm all for, you know, I'm not going to tell people, you know, how to live their lives when it comes to, um, you know, women's rights and things like that when it comes to fertility, um, or healthcare, things like that. But I'm, I'm all for, you know, if people want to adopt, want to have kids, want a family, um, I think it's a great option. I agree. And well, obviously, um, I don't know how much of me and my wife's story, you know, but we became foster parents several years back and we have adopted uh, four of the kids that came to us through foster care. We've had about about 20 kids come through our house. So, you know, we're obviously on that same on that same path there, although from a slightly different perspective, you know, that story of being adopted is one that, you know, we can talk a lot about having kids that we've adopted but we don't have a lot of perspective on what it's like to grow up that way. And right. you were, you were adopted at a very young age, right? Yeah, I was four months old. Um, when I was adopted, the only way that, you know, I think that they, 
well, the way that I know that is mainly because there's, you know, pictures of me um, when I came to the United States from South Korea. Um, that's where I was adopted from. There's pictures of my parents holding me um, right off the plane at the airport. Um, my sister, I have a sister, a younger sister who's two years younger than me. She was adopted at about the same age also. Um, my parents tell me that, you know, what they did back in the day is, you know, you signed up, you put your name in and you got a picture of a kid. You could choose boy or girl. And my parents picked girls first. They wanted four kids total, but they ended up just having my sister and I because, um, they'll say because she was crazy and they couldn't handle anymore, but, um, they picked girls first. So they got my picture. They, um, the orphanage or whatever group that they used, um, would send them a picture of a baby, um, and give the, their information. And if there was something wrong with the baby, like I had a big, um, uh, birthmark on the back of my head, I guess. And so, um, they let the parents choose if they wanted that baby or not, then they could go back into the, into the, the group or the waiting list, um, until they had another baby selected for you. But they selected me and then, um, I came when I was about four months old. Wow. So you don't have any, uh, any real background information as to like your family's health history or anything like that. You didn't come with any of that information. No, I didn't. You know, the story that I was told or that my parents were told was that my mom was a single mom. Uh, my birth mother was a single mom who couldn't handle having a baby or couldn't afford it or um, whatever the case was, um, she gave me up, um, and didn't know, or, you know, they didn't have any records on who my father was. So that was kind of out right away, finding out any information about him. And then, um, the records are not great when it comes to finding your parents from South Korea either, especially back in the seventies. Yeah, I can see that being really you know, really kind of scary. Um, I know that's one thing that, excuse me, that we've kind of had to deal with, you know, with our kids with adoption and everything is not knowing that health history, that family background health history can be pretty scary because you don't know what to look for or what to watch out for. Right. And yeah. And when I go to the doctor, you know, for my yearly physical, my doctor, I've had the same one for a really long time. She understands that you know, kind of look over everything, check for everything, because um, you never know what what could be lurking in in that genetic history for myself. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of strange responses and looks from nurses and doctors when we've had to go see a specialist or go into the ER and you have to put unknown for everything and they're like, why? And then they want to know the story and you've got your children sitting there and you have to rehash their story in front of strangers and it can be kind of difficult sometimes to navigate. Right, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if it would be any better to know some ways it would, I guess. So you'd know what to look out for, but having that fear of something that could be the case might be worse almost. So just not knowing anything, I guess is a little ignorance is bliss at this point. So. (laughs) Yeah. With foster care system, after the case is closed, that file is closed. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
shy of a it take one heck of a court order to get them to open it back up. So we we can we try to learn everything we can ahead of time. You know, most that's what most people do, but there's only so much you can do. Right. So yeah, yeah that that's always like Amanda said, that's always been interesting when people ask you questions and 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 you know you you're you have to walk that that road of how much of your story of these kids' stories do you give away to other mm-hmm. people, especially standing in the waiting room, the lobby, the doctor's office with people standing around listening. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's their story to tell. You know, what was that yeah. like for you growing up when when your parents were having to kind of tell people that? I mean, obviously you're you're from Korea, so you're Korean, and there's going to be some noticeable physical features there. They would make some assumptions, <laughs> yeah. I would think. <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of funny. Minneapolis is an area I think where there were a decent amount of kids that were adopted back back in the 70s um, from South Korea. So um, I think it was more of something that you'd see it every once in a while and go, oh, I think we're adopted. And then, you know, kind of go on your way. But at the same time, um, you know, I think that there is a curiosity that people have. And I have been told by people who are trying to be nice that I look like my dad, which clearly I don't. He's like... You know the whitest, whitest white guy ever, and I'm not. So, um, so it, it is kind of funny when when you uh, see how people react to something like that. I, I've had a similar experience. We were fostering a little guy. <laughs> he was he was a newborn, and he he was a black baby, and he was as dark skinned mm-hmm. a black guy as I've ever met. Just the happiest, cutest little bundle of joy oh. you could ever ask for. But he was dark skinned. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, everybody else can't see my, my face. But if you find a picture of me anywhere, I am what you might call ambiguously brown. And my wife's maiden name <laughs> is McClanahan and her hair is red. Right. Right. So this little guy, he's we had him at a restaurant, a little Chinese restaurant. We knew the lady who owned it. And she was, you know, always real sweet and personal. She came over the first time we had the baby in there and she goes, oh, he's so cute. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. He goes, he looks just like you. <laughs> I'm, I'm think, really used to just saying that. <laughs> I, I think you're right. It was, it was, but it's one of those things. It's, it's a piece of, of that experience that most people don't know how to handle. Yes, right. Right, it's and they a, don't know, they probably don't want to offend you and don't know what to ask exactly. Um, so they just, you know, kind of say the, the same can can thing that they would tell anybody. Yeah, and as an adult, I can look back. I just smile at because I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it, he was a cute kid. If anybody accuses me of looking like a cute kid, I'm not going to complain <laughs> at this point in my life, you know. But growing up, how did you feel about that when people were would start asking questions? It sounds like you had a little bit of a of a community of people around you, so it wasn't completely yeah. out of the norm. But I'm certain there were questions. You know, how did you feel about that when people would ask your parents or you questions? Yeah, I mean, people would more ask my parents than me, especially if we were all together. Um, but my parents were great about it. They had, um, they had stayed in touch and were close friends with quite a few families that also adopted from South Korea. So I remember um, spending holidays or, um, you know, just kind of, you know, nights or hanging out with them um, and their families and you know, even some of them, a lot of them had kids that were also, you know, their biological children and had adopted too. So um, it just kind of worked out for us. And nobody, we kind of had our own little community, which was great. You know, I didn't even know about, 
the stereotypes of Asian families until I got a little bit older, honestly, and how close knit their um, their families can be. Uh, but I think that you know we were lucky in that regard because um, there are there are kids out there that don't have that and you know feel quite alone when it comes to um, their community. They don't know where they fit in really, but. Um, I felt, I felt pretty, I feel pretty lucky now just knowing that my parents um, thought that it's something that we needed to make sure that we were included in. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Like it was just kind of the norm, Mm -hmm. you know, which is awesome that you had that support and that community because back, back in the seventies, adoption wasn't talked about a whole lot. It was more of a family hush hush secret. You right, know, and you right. just didn't talk about it. And if you adopted, you didn't want people to know if, if you were infertile yeah. or couldn't have children, you know, you just didn't share those things. They weren't talked about. So for you yeah. to have that community, I mean, that's really, you know, I think that's really awesome because not a whole lot of people had that, especially back then. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, I remember it being like such a slam, like people would make fun of their kids and be like, you're adopted, you know, to their, to their own siblings and say, Oh, mom told me you're adopted to make fun of their siblings. And it's like, why would that be a big deal? You know, that's what I would think when I was little, it's like, well, you could have been a mistake. And if this one's adopted, they wanted you, you know, so it's actually <laughs> backwards in my, in my opinion, when I was growing up, cause that's how I felt like, I felt like my parents always wanted us because they couldn't have kids themselves. So that's awesome. That's a, that's yeah. a really good perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really, really positive. It sounds like you had a very positive childhood. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a great, it was a good childhood. Um, you know, a lot different than um, some of my friends had, but at the same time, you know, it's something that uh, I try and create for my kids too. That's awesome. How, how did your, your, the rest of your family handle? I know like when we first started fostering, a lot of the kids who come into the system are from all kinds of a genetic background. You know, like I said, we had, we had little Carl, which wasn't his real name because, you know, we can't talk about real names, but we called him Carl. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, Carl was obviously not biologically ours. And for my dad, uh, and my wife's grandma and a few other people, there was some some racism maybe that came from having grown up in the 40s and 50s. You know, that, that mm-hmm. was some, some, they were not terrible overt stuff, but things that still they hadn't quite worked out in their life. And that was yeah. one of the things we went to our family before we even did it and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And, and if you don't agree with it, that's fine. You don't have to, but mm-hmm. we need to know ahead of time so we don't bring some kids around here that's going to cause some problems. And yeah. honestly, for us, it, it ended up being a real blessing. Um, my wife's grandma, really, uh, Carl specifically, like she fell in love with that baby. And yeah. she grew up in, in rural Missouri, way rural Missouri. Like mm-hmm. at 21, she left the town she lived in. And when she went to St. Louis, that was the first time she'd ever seen a black person in person. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they were way out there. So, I mean, there, there was yeah. some of that stuff that was just natural. It, we understood it was there. But through the family, there was, there was going to be some, some questions and some issues. What did your family mm-hmm. seem to think about, you know, the idea of not only adoption, because adoption is, is a piece of it, but also a, uh, an international adoption? You know, 
I think it, I don't know how they reacted at first. I can't say because my parents both grew up in Montana. They met um, in Billings um, when they were in college. Um, but they, you know, Montana, even now there's like barely anybody other than white people there for the most part, there's Indians or Native Americans on the reservation that they're definitely, um, thought of in a certain way too, um, by, by the people who live there. Um, and it's kind of funny because when we would go back there in the summers, my, my parents would get looks like, oh my gosh, you have reservation kids walking with you know, kids that are walking with these white adults um, and taking care of them. And they thought they, that we were actual Native Americans from the reservation quite a, quite a bit. Um, but as far as family goes, I think, you know, never had we um, felt any different, to be honest with you. I mean, I'll look back at some of like the old 80s pictures. We had perms, just like, you know, any other 80s kid. We had, you know, huge family gatherings and we stuck out like sore thumbs, but everybody was really great. Nobody that I know of at least had a problem with it. Adoption was quite a big part of my, you know, my dad's family though, too, because he had a brother who ended up having four boys. And then once the boys grew up and left the house, they adopted four girls. Um and they're adults too now at this point, but they were all, you know, from, from kind of troubled pasts. Um, but that's just something that, you know, his family did quite a bit of. Wow. That's amazing. That, that is a legacy that goes back that far. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, that I look at as, as what we can, what our lives do, you know, that, that legacy reaches so far and you never know what, the next two or three or four generations behind you, what change you'll spark. And that's one of the mm-hmm. things that keeps us driving with some of the things we do because you, yes. you deal with a lot of kids who have a troubled past, who have struggles or who otherwise might have had that troubled past. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's such a, such a positive thing. It's, it's great to hear that your family was so supportive of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's my experience. It's just, you know, I can only talk about what, what I've experienced, but you know, the real true, you know, issues or racism or, you know, um, I guess treatment that was any different was came from people out in the community and mostly kids, to be honest with you, rather than anybody within my family. Um, you know, kids are mean. They uh, will say things without thinking sometimes and you know, there weren't a whole lot of minorities where I grew up um, in a predominantly, you know, white area of Minnesota. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's something that we could talk to our parents about. I could talk to my mom about, um, especially, and she would understand and say, you know, who cares what other kids think? It's no big deal, you know. And it wasn't. At the end of the day, it wasn't anyways. so. So you mentioned middle school. I, I remember middle school and I do not look <laughs> yeah. back on it with any nostalgia or, or, you know, oh, middle school is hard. Yeah. Kids are yes. mean. And we've kids got two, are so mean. We've got two kids in middle school right now. Oh, and wow. <laughs> so, yeah, the struggles is really tough for kids at that age. You know, all the yeah. developmental stuff that's going on, 
on top of everything else in that age range. Uh, what was yes. that like for you? You know, middle school is like probably the toughest. And luckily I was able to go, you know, my parents moved when they, when I was 10, but they moved in the same city. So it's not like I had to go to a different district for school. Everybody would have changed schools anyways, from elementary school to middle school. Um, but, you know, everybody's awkward and weird and nobody wants to be different. Everybody wants to kind of be, you know, this cookie cutter um, kid at that point. Um, but, you know, being totally different looking, at least, um, it was tough. I mean, kids would be rude. There was a kid in my neighborhood who was like super rude because, you know, you study in school, you study China and Japan. And that was it really back then. You know, there weren't, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of like, oh, there's other Asian countries. Like kids would call me Chinese all the time, you know, and even, even in the last, I don't even know, like, even in the last like 10 years, some of the developing countries in like the, in Central America, we went, my husband and I went down um, to Honduras quite a bit when I was in my twenties. Um, and they would call me China all the time. And because they had no clue that there were other countries other than just China and Japan, um, or they didn't think about it. Um, so that's something that I struggled with quite a bit because, you know, I'd say, you know, me would be like wanting to correct them and say, no, I'm Korean. And then they, they, you know, like mock me and be like, oh, I'm Korean. Ha ha. You know, and still people ask me now, like, are you from North or South Korea? And I'm like, are you kidding? Do you think anybody's ever getting out of North Korea? Like, that's crazy. I don't know why you would even ask that. But, you know, it is kind of funny how people don't really have that kind of education about things at times. And well, yeah, they just you kind know, of talk. <laughs> yeah, the geopolitics are something that, especially in the Korean culture, is pretty deep. But a lot of people don't think about that much. I mean, mm-hmm. and we talked before, you know, I was I was a Korean linguist in the military. And so... I have yes, a little bit deeper yeah. knowledge about the difference between being North and South Korean. And, right. and, the difference and you know between, more than I do by quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and the difference between being Korean and other Asian ethnicities, you know, that was mm-hmm. one of the things we learned was that there's a lot of that racism between mm-hmm. different countries, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know that it's so prevalent now. It was a lot of years ago that I was, I was experiencing that, but I know there was a lot of, racism between the Japanese and the Korean cultures as well. That goes back to the, you know, back to the wars. And mm-hmm. so that, that was a deep thing and people just don't understand that. You know, I, I've met a few people who are from say the Dominican Republic and they mm-hmm. do not take kindly to calling them Mexicans. It's one of the things that I don't, <laughs> don't think we educate our kids about enough and aren't educated no. enough about ourselves. Right. And I mean, there are times like, how do you, how would you know that? How would you dig that deep into a culture when you're just going, you know, when you're in school and you just want to get to the next thing and you want to learn broadly as much as you can. It's not something that people, you know, unless you're trying to really find out and educate yourselves, you're not probably going to pass through it. But, um, you know, it's something that that is on my mind here and there, but it's nothing that I've had to, you know, correct people on lately, luckily. Well, that's always good. Have you ever thought about doing any of the DNA tests or, or that? I mean, I know you can learn a lot about the, some health histories that way. And also, you know, you can even connect with some biological family that way. 
Yeah, you know, I I talked about it like probably two years ago with my sister and we talked about how, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if we found, you know, family out there somehow, you know, my mom's been gone for probably, she's been, she passed away 11 years ago, you know, and um, she, that's something that I know she would have liked to have done. Um, my dad, I know he's done one of those kits. My husband, I got him one a couple years ago and, you know, I, I struggle with it though. She did get me a kit last Christmas. So 2018 Christmas and I, it's still sitting in the wrapper because I haven't, um, gotten the guts, I guess, up to do it yet because, um, you know, I'm not sure what I would find out. And, you know, on one hand, I could find out that I do have family out there and try and connect with them. But what if they don't want to connect with me? Um, that's something that I don't know if I'd want to go through emotionally or deal with that. Um, and on the other hand, you know, what if I find out that, um, I don't have, there isn't anybody out there, you know, how, how kind of like polarizing and sad is it that to know that there just isn't. So I kind of am still struggling with that aspect. I do want to eventually, I have it. I just, you know, I got to figure out a a time when I'm mentally ready to, to do it. It kind of, it kind of sounds like, you know, even though, you know, you have, you had parents and, and you were adopted, there's still maybe some unresolved issues with abandonment. Maybe. Yeah. I, I guess you could say that. I mean, I, part of me, okay. So there's this guy that I'm friends with on Facebook and I don't know him super well. I used to play softball with him quite a while ago. He was adopted from um, South Korea also. And he recently reconnected with his family and I see his posts about going back and hanging out with his siblings and meeting his mom and things like that. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. You know, just because they're so, you know, they've, I don't know how much he's worked at it or what it had been like behind the scenes, but it looks like he's really connecting with them and, you know, finding a part of himself he never knew he had. And that would have been like best case scenario, you know, but at the same time, like, I know that's not going to be everybody's story. It's just his. So, you know, maybe, maybe there is some of that, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty okay with how things turned out though, at the same, at the same. The unknown can be pretty scary. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure there's nothing to be scared of, you know, if you step back and, and look at it, it's like, Oh, more info is, is better. But, um, there's always like that, you know, there's always the heart to consider though. Yeah. There's always the heart that you got to think about. Right. Exactly. Well, have you ever thought about if you could connect with your birth parents, what you would say to them? You know, I'm certain you probably had that conversation in your head a thousand times as a young kid. Have you thought about that much? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would definitely ask them about their health history. Um, kind of what they were, what situation they were in at the time. Um, and if I have any siblings or other family, you know, I, in all, in it all depends, like the next set of questions would be based on, on what their answers were, but that's exactly where I would start. That sounds reasonable. I don't think I would, uh, 
<laughs> I, I would ask anything else. I, I don't know that that's one of those things that, you know, from our, like I said, from our perspective, it's just so difficult to understand that side of it. I don't think you have a very unique story in that way. Thank you. Have you um, talked with your, with your, uh, did you ever talk with your birth parents about potentially connecting with, I'm sorry. Did you ever talk with your bio parent? I'll get it straight. Did you ever talk with your adopted parents about uh-huh. possibly connecting with your uh, with your bio family? Um, yeah, you know, I have I have one friend that was adopted that her dad worked for Delta Airlines and they were able to go back like for you know a couple times to Korea um, and try and rifle through some of their old archives, which were they said handwritten in pencil books of um, you know, records, but they weren't able to find them. And I figured, you know, she and I are very close in age. We're about six months apart. We went through the same agency. Um, if she couldn't find them, I don't think there's going to be a chance for me to find them. So I kind of took her, um, what she did and said, you know what, I bet my, I bet it would be the same, you know, and my mom is, is the one who told me about how, how that happened and, and when what they did. So we talked about it quite a bit. Um, you know, and I it was a part of me that kind of felt like they would ask questions like that just to see where I was mentally to make sure I was all right with things. But I never wanted them to make make them feel bad. Yeah, that's a difficult place for a kid to be. Do you have any other connections to the Korean culture? Not really. My sister um, when she was younger, I think she was like, I don't know, six or seven, maybe. Um, she went to Korean culture camp one summer, um, through the adoption agency, they kind of set things up for them. But my mom asked me if I wanted to go. I never wanted to go. I wasn't really that interested in it. I, had, um, I did like sports. I did a whole bunch of activities and sports and stuff like that every summer. So I thought that was a waste of time. I don't really care about it that much. Maybe now I would go do something like that, but. Well, I will tell you as a uh, semi-professional eater, Koreans have some <laughs> of the best food. So <laughs> if for no other reason, that, that that's one piece of the culture that I enjoy connecting with. <laughs> it's all about the that's food, awesome. right? <laughs> that um, is. So I know um, you have two daughters. One is one is little, and the other one I believe is seven. Um, yep. Yep. Eleven shared... months and seven. Awesome! Congratulations, Mama. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Have you shared um, with your daughter that you're adopted? Is that something that you guys are open with, or? Yeah. Um, sorry. Hang on a second. Sorry, it's um, hard for me to talk about my mom a little bit, oh, especially. You are totally fine. I know she's been gone a while, but I haven't talked about her in a while when it comes to this kind of thing. So, sorry. Well, you're oh. totally fine. I, I understand it. You know, I, I lost my dad a few years back, and, and I understand the pain. All right. Um, sorry, can you repeat your question again? <laughs> um, 
Um, I was just wondering if, you know, you have, you have two daughters and one is obviously a baby, so she, she wouldn't understand right now, but I was just wondering if you and your seven-year-old had spoke about you being adopted and, you know, if that was something that you had planned on sharing with your kids and. Yeah, she knows I'm adopted. We've talked about it a lot. Um, she knows I'm Asian. She'll. You know, at first we would ask her, are you Asian at all, Alexis? And she'll go, no, I'm not Asian. Mom's Asian. You know, so (laughs) she doesn't really, I don't think at first she got what it meant. Um, But, you know, now she knows that and she'll tell you that she's half Asian. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, and she'll ask me questions every once in a while, especially maybe a year or two ago, she would ask me, how come you're adopted? Did your parents not want you? And I'll tell her the same like kind of canned answered story that, you know, I'll tell anybody, but um, until maybe she's a little bit older to understand what it means um, to be married without a husband and, or I'm sorry, to be pregnant without a husband and things like that. But um, yeah, I kind of, she knows. Um, and she, she'll, she would ask why I think she's starting to understand. Um, but I think it's something that she still processes too at the same time. Well, yeah, I mean, she is only seven. So I mean, yeah. we all have to kind of, <laughs> right. you know, kind of with, with our kids, you know, you, you gear your answers and your questions towards age and, and everything yes. like that. Um, mm-hmm. Are you guys in the future, maybe would adoption be something that would be on your radar? Is that something you guys are interested in because of your, your history and, and all that? Um, I don't know about anymore. There was a point in time when we, you know, after we had Alexis, we had tried to have another baby for quite a long time and it just wasn't happening. We were told to go see a fertility specialist. Um, you know, the, the regular, we trying to do things, um, you know, we kind of exhausted all resources and you know, neither of us were getting any older. They said, you probably will have to go this route. And, um, you know, I looked into adoption, um, especially from South Korea. That's what I kind of wanted to do and try to adopt a baby from there. Um, right before we had a, had made an appointment at the fertility doctor. So, um, that put our plans on hold for anything other than that time. I don't know if we could do another kid again at this point, but um, you know, it's uh, I think we're, I think our family's complete um, for the most part. Well, can I just warn you? I thought the same thing at one point too. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yep. And our, our youngest son at the time is 19 now, and uh, there's four more in the in the middle now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> our yes. last one is how old? <laughs> four. Yeah, he's four. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, and he doesn't know he's four. He thinks he's still two. He's trying to live out that, that terrible twos as long as he can. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yes. He's adorable, yeah. though, so, you know, we put up with it. <laughs> They are cute. That's why I say, you know, they're lucky they're cute when they're that age, just because, <laughs> you know, if they weren't, it might be a different story out there. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> 
As far as your adoption story, you know, did, did you guys celebrate that when you were a kid, like in a, an adoption day or anything like that? And do you still still do anything like that? Yeah, my parents called it our anniversary. Um, it was our like kind of, um, you know, the day that they that they ended up getting us. Um, we would celebrate by like going out to dinner. That's usually what we did for our anniversary. I know my husband will call it a gotcha day and things like that, but we, we always knew it as our anniversary until we actually got married. Um, but yeah, it was a day that we celebrated and, you know, um, my parents always had, you know, a very positive, um, emotion to that day. So, so did we. Well, you know, you hear so many stories about adoption and things gone wrong. I mean, and if mm-hmm. you, you type in foster care or adoption into a Google search bar, one of the things that will always populate up is like adoption gone wrong or foster care stories gone wrong. And mm-hmm. that story is the one that sells that people hear so often. But it's great to hear of somebody who had such a positive experience around it. It sounds like it was really, really just an opportunity for you, you know, to to experience a full life. Yeah. I have no clue what my life would have been like. I know if that, you know, as a single mother with no, you know, no father in the picture, um, especially there, um, I don't think it would have been life. And here I had every opportunity um, to do, you know, pretty much what I wanted. Um, No, I feel like, you know, I feel like I wouldn't have, have had the same opportunities by, by far if I, would have stayed in South Korea instead of being adopted by my parents. Yeah, that that's amazing. It, it sounds like all in all, it was a very, well, as positive of an experience as you could have. I mean, because they're one of the things that, that a lot of people don't think about is there's trauma in, even in a good situation like that, even the, what you might call a good adoption story, mm-hmm. you know, you, you still lost something. You lost your birth family. You lost pieces of your health history. You lost, pieces of your ancestry and, and knowing those stories about who your grandmother was or, or grandfather. You know, I, I can tell you that my grandfather on my mom's side, him and I think it was two of his brothers moved into, I believe it was Iowa and they married three sisters up there. And so, yeah, it was, it was just like, like those stories that, that define who you are as a human. Mm-hmm. You've right. lost a lot of those. And, and so, well, there's always that, that loss that, trauma and grief that I'm certain you, you dealt with as a child quite a bit, but it sounds mm-hmm. like you've managed to turn it around and keep a very positive outlook towards the future as to how your whole life has turned out. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm a person that's very black and white, you know, when it comes to how I feel about things at times, um, I can, I don't want to say like turn a blind eye, but I'm think about, you know, I can take a step back and say, you know, I lost this in this transition or I lost that, but, you know, at the same time, I gained so much more that being doesn't matter what I lost at this point. So I'm okay with it. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Did you, do you have any other questions, Amanda? Well, I, I know we're coming up on almost an hour here, so we, we do definitely want to be respectful respective of your your time but I did have at least one more question I just wanted to ask you what would you say to other 
couples or parents or people out there that are looking towards adoption, what would you say to them, you know, whether it be positive, negative, um, you know, just Mm -hmm. your thoughts on, on what you would want to say to those couples or parents out there? I would say to those couples and parents out there that adoption is a great option. Um, if you're willing to, you know, fully embrace the process, if you're willing to bring a kid in and, you know, communication open completely, um, if you're willing to do that and you have the ability to do that, um, you know, I think it will work out well for you. Uh, don't try and hide anything or hold anything back. I think that'll never help. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, trying to, trying to tell a kid that they're not adopted or spring it on them all of a sudden, because that's something that I always knew growing up and there was never a question about it. And, um, you know, I actually felt fortunate, um, in that way. So as long as you can be open and honest, um, I think it's something that that's great for everybody. You can, make a family if you can't you know if you can't make one organically you can make one still um there's still options out there for anyone looking to have kids there's a lot of kids out there that want you know the love that parents can give i just want to thank you guys so much for everything you do and um for having me on Hey, we we appreciate you taking your time to come out and talk to us today. You know, podcasts get really boring if I don't have somebody to talk to. Then it's just me rambling. <laughs> sure. But no, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. That's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always easy to put yourself out there and, you know, and kind of bear yourself to the world. Um, so sure. I just want to say thank you so much for that and for giving that perspective that we don't always have. There's there's always the stories of trauma and neglect and terrible things. And so it's great to have a good, positive story, um, one that we can can put out there for people to hear. So thank you so much for taking the time to share that with us. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening all the way through. If you're trying to find us on a specific podcasting platform, just search for Jason and Amanda Palmer or Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or anywhere where you find your podcast. You can also download it so that you can listen wherever you're at, even when you aren't online. You can find us online at jasonmpalmer.com where you can read our blog and listen to all of our previous podcasts. If you have a story that you'd like to tell on the show, please send me an email at jasonmpalmer at yahoo.com and be sure to put podcasts in the subject line or send me a message through our Facebook page at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. We'll see you next time.